Welcome to Play the Advantage U.S. Men's National Team Podcast. I'm Danny Day alongside Cody Carlson. Cody and I were college soccer teammates and we are big U.S. Men's National Team fans. This podcast covers everything U.S. Men's National Team related. And here we are once again, Danny Day alongside Coach Cody Carlson. We are here. It is recording here on December 2nd, all the way in December here, Cody. It has been a busy, busy last month. U.S. men's national team playing a couple of games that we will certainly get to. But uh, congrats to you, uh, Cody, on an incredible season with the Redlands Bulldogs, making it to the Sweet 16 and uh, Redlands being named the West Region Coach Coaching Staff of the Year. So congratulations on an incredible season. Thanks, man. Thanks. Uh, it's nice to get some accolades, but always wish the team could have gone a little further. Thought we had the team to push for a national championship this year, but but uh, overall, still a good season when you go seventeen three and one. So happy for the guys, happy for my team, but also happy for our U.S. national team. And and we got to watch uh, that that game together for a little bit, at least for the first half, didn't we? We did. I got to see you in person. First time I've seen you since I guess your wedding this summer. And, uh, man, got to meet up up in uh, Tacoma, Washington, watch the game with the Bulldogs, take it in, taking the U.S. men's national team, taking on El Tree. And uh, the U.S. handed El Tree another L. So that was, uh, that was exciting to see. Si, senor. Dos a cero. El Tree is not E-L. It's, it's, it's the letter L now, right, as we, as we come right. to say. El Tree. Um, That's right. So, yeah, it feels good. It was that was a great game. Do you want to dive into that game while we're kind well, of on it, or do you? Yeah, wanna... let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. I, I think we've we've got a lot to get to. So, uh, I'll first say, you know, I thought it was really. If you caught that right at the end of that game, um, Jesus Ferreira had a real good chance, but he said, "You know what? We got to keep this at Dosa Cerro. I don't want to <laughs> score a third. We got to miss this one wide left." And I know I'm sure that's not what he yeah. was thinking, but uh, it worked out okay to keep that Dosa Cerro narrative. Or at least get it back alive again after losing right. last time in the World Cup qualifying at home to Mexico. So this yeah. was, man, what a critical win it was, right? My goodness, that was just massive. Yeah, and so fun to watch, you know, definitely in the second half. First half was a bit cagey and, and back and forth, and then uh, second half comes alive. You know, Tim Weah, I thought, was tremendous, and uh, he was a threat all game. Um and then ultimately he takes it, he takes a defender on and whips in a perfect cross right in front of the goal. And Christian Pulisic there right after gets his noggin First on touch it. of the game. First touch of the game. And, uh, you know, makes Greg Berhalter looks like an absolute genius of the <laughs> seven in a player. And he goes in and scores right away. Um, but, uh, and then Pulisic runs over to the, to, you know, celebrate, pulls up a shirt and his undershirt had written man in the mirror. And uh, a little clap back at Memo Ochoa's comments. And uh, so, man, that was just uh, the chef's kiss, wasn't it? Just uh, that was great to see. That was. I mean, so Pulisic, who had, right, who, who got injured all the way back in that uh, Honduras game uh, on the road in the first qualifying window. Right. He, he missed the entire second qualifying window, along with Gio Reyna, who's been injured since the first qualifying game, which has been a major bummer. Yeah. Um, note on that, he just got back into training, right, with, with yep. Borussia Dortmund. Yep. So hopefully, crossing our fingers, that he can uh, he can get healthy enough to get back into the side with Borussia Dortmund, and hopefully we'll see him in January. But, uh, yep. yeah, Pulisic, who, who was just back from, you know, working back into fitness, had just gotten back into the Chelsea side. Uh, comes on and we're up about the 70th minute or so, and uh, you know hadn't had any touches on the ball um, for the first few minutes he was on, and then Wea, what a beautiful move down the right side there, couple of scissors, just makes himself creates enough space for himself, whips across into Pulisic. I think this is one of Pulisic's biggest strengths that he's really developed over even those last couple of years is arriving in the box at the right time, and he timed his run perfectly um, yeah. and, and got on the end of Wea's cross. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think you're 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 very correct there with his timing of his runs, and that's the next level of tactical understanding of the game that he's been uh, definitely improving in over the last year or two, and he's learning a lot uh, at Chelsea, no doubt. So, but yeah, to arrive in the box, and he's not a tall guy, but to still get there and get a header in, and 
um, you know, clap back at Memo Ochoa. It's, yeah, it's great. So we go up 1-0 there. And then uh, Weston McKinney slots the second one in for the insurance for the classic tagline, Dos Acero. Uh, a little fortunate. Kind of, they try to do a little combination play at the top of the box. Comes off a defender, but slips right in behind their, their line there into the box. And McKinney falls to his feet and he just calmly and coolly slots it low left inside the, the post and in. So yeah. um, that was, uh, that was perfect too. That was really enjoyable. Yeah, no, it was good to see. I mean, McKinney um, for all the faults that he maybe does have sometimes on the field, he is such a difference maker out and there. Off the and off the field, off the field. And <laughs> off the field. I'm hoping we'll, we'll move past that. We'll probably always remember uh, the, the moments he had there in Nashville um unfortunately but uh, you know I, I think he's proving to be that he is just such an integral piece to the success of the u.s men's national team and uh yeah a bit fortunate there to have the ball bounce in his direction um but man he uh just incredible atmosphere there in cincinnati too when he scored that goal um the place just absolutely erupted seeing yep. some of the scenes that the u.s released um you know that the, the U.S. Men's National Team released after the fact of just how great that crowd was and the reactions to that goal was was a lot of fun to see. It was great. It was great. I'm still living it. I'm still loving it. So any any other yeah? What, what other takeaways do you have from that game? I mean, because it was interesting, right? You see uh, Zach Steffen, you know, once again in goal, right? Um, you know, actually had some. He came up with impressive plays. Yeah. In the first half, I think it was, he had a massive foot save. I think it was his left foot on Chucky Lozano. Chucky got in behind and, uh, and unleashed a low shot to the near post, but Stefan came up with a big time play there. Um, I thought he played well in that game. Um, The Jamaican game was a little bit of a different story. We can get to, but you know, I'm still a Stefan fan. I mean, a, uh, a Turner fan. I think Turner, uh, wrongly so got uh put to the bench and stepping in there so i'm you know a little scratching my head on it but it is what it is and it's not like Stefan's a bad keeper or anything but i just felt uh turner turner was still my guy but hey i'm not the one making the decision <laughs> yeah i mean turner really hasn't done much wrong or anything wrong really maybe besides yeah. a couple of bad passes but yeah quite frankly Stefan, uh you mentioned in the jamaica game he wasn't good um, with his feet either so um, well and that's what he's in, supposed to be good at right <laughs> now in the Mexico game he was very good with his feet yeah um, had a couple of penetrating passes that split three or four Mexico defenders yeah. started the break on a couple so I mean uh, on a good pitch Zach Steffen can be effective now so that makes me think like okay so do we just start Zach Steffen in all of our home games and put Matt Turner in for the road games when you maybe don't need to play out of the back as much I'm not sure if that's the way to go either yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Stefan, I think it's clear that Stefan's better with his feet, but again, I think you and I both agree that Turner is a better shot stopper. Um, and that's just the value we need to place on that is higher than playing with your feet. And obviously Berhalter doesn't necessarily agree with that. Yeah. Which well, is confusing to me, but hey, yeah. I always thought that the goalkeeper's primary job was keep the ball in the back of the net and shots, shot stopping good with your hands. You know, feet is the secondary thing, but hey, you know, Greg has other ideas. Fair enough, man. But um, someone who impressed me in the definitely in the Mexico game, Yunus Musa was tremendous. Mm. That's a good shot. His his abilities there, and and it was something that we had always been wanting to see. You know, him with you know McKenney and Adams in there, and the MMA midfield we had wanted Musa, McKenney, and Adams, right? And Musa in there with those two was lights out. I mean, some of the things that he can do in the center of the park, being on the half turn and penetrating and dribbling past lines um, in the center of the park is, and then it just opens up the game from there. It's really, really fun to watch. And we, I I can't recall a midfielder, not even McKinney or, you know, in the past, no Michael Bradley, no one like that who is as dynamic as Eunice Moose is in the center of the park. Can you? No, I mean, he, he is absolutely tremendous. And uh, that being said, you know, obviously you and I are on, we're, we're, we haven't been around to see all the teams from over the years, from maybe the early 90s or mid-90s 
you know, maybe as much as some others have seen, but man, within the last, at least since I really started watching the U S team since that 2002 team up until now, uh, I don't remember a more dynamic, fluid, smooth midfielder, such as Yunus Musa and the attributes that he brings to the team. I mean, there was one play in that second half where uh, Stefan rolled the ball out to him, starting a counterattack with like three Mexico guys kind of coming on coming at him. I think it was Edson Alvarez was coming at him probably about 30 yards out. Musa does one step over, blows past him, starts the counter Uh, in moments like that. But those were all throughout the game. Um, He is such a difference maker. Yeah. And so having him healthy and available is, is a, such a key piece. Well, I think he had the protection of Adams and McKinney in there alongside him. Whereas the previous game, I think we had, we talked about, but it was, it was, it was tough with uh, him alongside Legette, just not the same type of force. Um, in Legette the and Costa. Yeah. 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 So, but uh, yeah, Musa was definitely someone that I was, I was thrilled to see. Um, well, and I think I think that ended up being kind of a storyline to some extent, right? As McKinney unfortunately picked up that yellow card, right, uh, in that second half, so he began, yellow, he had to miss the next game. Yeah, accumulation yellow cards. And so, when that MMA midfield starts, I believe it's we're three and zero. If I'm if I'm right there on my my memory, but um, yeah, so McKinney out for that game down in, in Jamaica. Obviously, yeah. proved to be costly, and it just seems like there's such a co- such a cohesion amidst the amidst those three. That mm-hmm. for some reason, when that whoever that third person who was slotted in there, it hasn't worked, and right. you, you didn't see it work. You didn't see it work down in Panama. Uh, obviously, the loss down there, you didn't see it work against Jamaica. Um, so having all three of those guys available is critical, which makes me a bit concerned. Is like we still haven't really found who that fourth or fifth guys who are going to really come in and be effective in that role yep yep it's it's a ongoing uh, question mark so but hey at least we know that's our starting three if we if we can you know true so. yes yeah that's fair that's fair <laughs> uh yeah any other thoughts from that game or you want to move on to jamaica yeah we can move on to the jamaica game yeah um, i think a critical match though too like just again beating mexico a third time this year uh yeah obviously th- this one yeah, the other two were for trophies, but yeah. this one, man, um, World Cup qualifying has such a higher level of importance uh, in my mind. And it, to, it, to, get, it does, to get that win. It does, but it doesn't. There's something hmm. to be said about celebrating and lifting a trophy after you beat your rival. And you yeah, know, con- confetti and fireworks and whatever going off, like music playing and that kind of stuff, like to actually win something like tangible right after the game. I think there's yeah. some something to be said about that, and you're just watching your, you know, Mexico's watching your rivals, you know, celebrate on the field two yeah. times this summer, right? Versus I, this one, it's it's based yeah. off points, and yes, it has more importance, but I think, you know, I definitely don't want to discount those two trophies because I think it's it played into this game, this World Cup qualifying game, where Mexico's approaching the game, going, "crap, we got to go to Cincinnati and we got to play the U.S., who has already beaten us twice." this calendar year for two different trophies, gold cup and the nation's league. Right. So I think it's a, it was a mental factor as well. Right. Uh, On the other side of that, if we'd have lost one or both of those trophies this summer to Mexico, I think this game against Mexico in the world cup qualifiers could be different as well. Right, because if Mexico beats us twice in those two, oh crap, we got to play Mexico again. Like it's, it gets in players' minds for sure. Um, yeah, but to beat them three times in the calendar year—that's uh, that is uh, the icing on the cake, isn't it? That's yeah. No, I think you're right. I mean, it, it's—I think U.S. is definitely in Mexico's head at this point. I mean, there's no doubt about it. To beat them three times in the same year—I I know that on the broadcast they put out a stat in terms of the last time that that happened. But it was a long, long time ago that that had happened. And yeah, it was all the way in lost. like 1930 something, I think. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. So the fact we've been three times this year and then to cap it off with this massive win in the octagonal and critical too, right? Because Mexico was ahead of us in the standings. That win put us tied right. with them in the standings. Yeah. Had they won that, they would have been a six point separation there, right. uh, which yep. is no, no bueno, right? So gets us <laughs> back tied and then sends Mexico reeling. They go up to yeah. Canada and they go into the uh, a snowball up there in Edmonton and, yeah. and lose to the yeah. Canadians. 
Um, so all of a sudden, I mean, I know we got this Jamaica game to touch on, but uh, man, Mexico is uh, people were calling for Tata's, uh, you know, job there. And uh, right. You know, obviously he's still their coach. They haven't made any move, but um, man, Mexico to really this, and we knew this was going to be Mexico's toughest window. They have two road games against the other most likely top two teams. So it's their toughest, toughest window by far in qualifying. And unfortunately for them, you know, they, they got zero points out of it. You know, they're probably hoping to get at least three and they got nothing. So, right. um, Yeah. Yeah. No, tough, tough window, but you know, Hey, Mexico having to go play in cold environments, North, very North Cincinnati, Ohio, and then Edmonton, Canada. Right. Um, Yeah. Smart. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if I'm Canada and, and U.S. and I'm scheduling against CONCACAF opponents, Mexico in particular, then I think a colder environment is certainly a big factor. Um, but, hey, the other caveat of it, of uh, or the other thing I wanted to touch on real quick is, yes, we're stoked that we beat Mexico three times, but it was all on U.S. soil this year. Yep. Right? And, Very true. And so I'm, uh, I'm excited for when we go down to play them in the Azteca. Because if we can get a result there, I mean, that's really the proof um, that we're ahead of Mexico, right? If, yeah. You know, it's one it's one thing to do it on, on U.S. soil in a cold environment, you know, that kind of right. stuff. Um, yes, the Gold Cup final was in Las Vegas, and that was, you know, heavily, inf- you know, large um, amount of Mexican fans in, in that game. Um, and definitely in the Nations League game as well, Nations League final. But uh, – yeah, it's different when you go down to the Azteca. So if we can do it then, then that's real proof, isn't it? Yeah, so. yep. You're right. Well, should we jump into Jamaica? <clears throat> yeah. Jamaica, man. So, yeah, we so jump it down there. The, take, me, take me through the first half there. What do we see? Um, nothing too much. Uh, the 1-1 uh, draw overall, but both goals were scored in the first half, I believe. Um, yep. Tim Weah. Pulls out a nice goal. I mean, it's kind of like a, you know. Man on fire. Yeah, he just he just kind of like took a touch and blew past the defender. The defender tried to like box him out, but Tim Way like slipped around him. Just like defender didn't think that he was going to be able to slip around him. So, so but he's slippery. <laughs> and he, he uh, left footed, left footed, just like kind of got a shot off and, and surprised Andre Blake in goal and just like kissed the far post and in. And, yeah. uh, yeah, Tim Way just kind of like muscled his way in there somehow and, and forced forced it in. So I was stoked about that. And obviously, you know, I, I said that Tim Way was our best player in that Mexico game, I thought. Um, yeah. And I thought he was very good in this Jamaica game as well. I think he was probably the player of, of um, the best player of the two games in this window, in my opinion. So, yeah. I can't argue with you there. I mean, it was a brilliant individual effort. Um, he, yeah, combined with Ricardo Pepe. Um, again, Pepe, who hasn't found himself on the score sheet, but doing other little things. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he – I think he officially did get credited with an assist on this play, actually. Um, but he, he's doing a lot of the other things that maybe you don't see, making certain runs in the box that frees somebody else up, uh, you know, given the, the nice one-two pass, boxing out, holding, holding the ball up, having good combination play. Uh, but yeah, it ends up feeding Wea on that play, and uh, yeah, a great start to the game. I'm thinking, man, this could be a really good game for the U.S. and go and solidify our spot here in Concacaf. And then along comes Mikel Antonio with an absolute screamer of a goal. <laughs> I mean, he, he cuts inside on Tyler Adams. Cuts it. Yeah. I mean, Ty, a little disappointed in Tyler Adams. Like he, he just let Antonio like cut into a on his right foot and Tyler kind of just like gets turned and gives him enough space to, to crack one off, which is unlike Tyler Adams. Most of the time, most of the time he's, you know, a pest and in your face and not giving you any time and space, but he kind of just like one of the few times where he passively defended and uh, a screamer of a, of a shot off. Now that being said, I think Stefan needed to do better to say that because the, the ball came pretty close to him, to his left. It wasn't like perfectly in the top bins or anything, you know. Um, it was struck with pace and power, but I think if he read it 
just a second sooner and his feet were moving a little bit better, uh, he could have, he could have made the save. What do you yeah, think? Yeah. I mean, if you, you, yeah, you look at it, um, Antonio cuts Tyler Adams, not a great effort there from Tyler Adams, just yeah, not normal for him there, but gets cut and he takes a touch to the inside. Looks pretty clear that Antonio is getting ready to wind up and shoot, takes a touch yeah. and just has a crack at one. And, um, yeah, hits it with pace. But Stefan, you can see in the replay, and there was a good behind view uh, looking from where behind Antonio was shooting. You can see Stefan and Gold a little bit flat-footed and reacts yeah. very slowly. Again, the shot was hit fast, but the shot was not that far from him. Had he been on his toes, been ready to make the correct footwork uh, to then jump to his left, make the save, uh, could have made a difference. And, I mean, the ball wasn't that far from his hand when it went into the goal. Uh, you know, a couple of better footwork maybe gives him a couple more inches. Maybe he makes the save. So, now, that being said, people are clamoring, you know, Matt Turner would have definitely made that save. I, I don't think we can definitely – I don't think we can say with any certainty that Matt that's Turner makes me. that save. I'm on, I am on that oh, bandwagon. You, you, that's, you that is Matt, my take. You think Matt Turner, you think Matt Turner makes that the save? That is my take. I am joining that, uh, that okay. group of folks who are – the Matt Turner folks yeah. who are saying Turner makes that save. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, so, uh, yeah, so that's I, why, I that's know. why I want him in there. Obviously yeah. we can't know for sure, <laughs> obviously, yeah. but uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident about Turner makes that save. Yeah. I that's mean, what Turner is good at. Turner is better. Turner is the best shot stopper. Work. Yeah. Best shot stopper. And Stefan was slow and he was not good on that play. And the fact of the matter is, is that you should have done better. And people are trying to defend Stefan and saying, hey, you know, nobody stops that shot. I, I don't think you can say that because Matt Turner has shown no. statistically and uh, in his games that he is really, really, really good at that. And yeah, so obviously, again, it's like hindsight's twenty twenty. Maybe we should have had Turner in this game. But unfortunately, we didn't. And uh, Stefan doesn't make the save. It's 1-1. And uh, that turned the game on its head. Yeah. Yeah. And then we we were uh, a bit lucky to get out of there with a draw. The the glaring one that I'm thinking of is Jamaica has they kind of just serve a ball into the box and to the far side, and it's Anthony Robinson. Like I don't know what I I guess he's trying to clear it with his weaker right foot, but he literally just like yeah. settles it and like touches it right in front of goal to a mm -hmm. Jamaica uh, attacker and. I forget what his name is, but he blew it over the top of yep. the, of the goal. Luckily, but I was six was yards, almost, six yards out. Yeah. yeah, it was almost like Anthony Robinson was trying to assist. I mean, that's what it looked like. I mean, yeah, I mean, trying he, to clear like the a, ball. Like or awkward, are you trying to? Are you trying to settle it? Came in for him. Yeah, it was so. You know, that's the glaring one where I'm like, wow, we could have easily lost that game. Yeah, it was an awkward height that it came in for him. He like tried to clear it was in between and using his foot and his thigh. It like he ricocheted off of him right to the attacker. And I mean, on this instance, Zach Stefan did do a good job of getting big to make himself big in yeah, the goal. Yeah. He came um, out quickly, but it's only six yards to come out and try to make it. Right. Big I mean, it was just more of a reaction than anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Jamaican attacker blew over the top. So there was that chance that was a clear cut chance. And then late in the game, I think 88, 89th minute, uh, Jamaica, has a header off of a corner kick that goes in. Um, but the referee, thankfully for the U.S., calls a foul on that attacker who scored the goal. Was it a foul? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, got lucky there, for sure. You don't, you don't normally get those calls on the road. <laughs> no, I mean, it's Walker Zimmerman, who's our – Walker Zimmerman, who is a beast in the air, goes up and, you know, doesn't really judge the ball well, is a little bit beyond him. The Jamaican attacker maybe has a, you know, a finger or a hand on Zimmerman, you know, a little bit of contact, nothing out of the norm, out of the norm. And the uh, referee thankfully calls a foul because that header goes into the back of the net. Nothing Stefan could have done about it. We would have been walking out of Jamaica with a loss. And this conversation yeah. probably would be a little bit different. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, but overall, I mean, another unimpressive road performance by our guys, you know, yeah. uh, and, 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 you, you look back at, at that game and compared to some of the other games, I mean, this game in, in Jamaica compared to the draw we had in El Salvador, 
completely different environments. El Salvador in that stadium, right? Uh, with the cage around it and the hostility. Yeah, 30,000. Yeah. And this one, I mean, Jamaica barely had any fans in the, in the stadium. It's almost right. You know, like this is not a hostile environment. It's just an away game yeah. and almost in a very uh, lightly packed stadium. Yeah. Uh, and we, we, we still look flat and we still look, you know, nervous at times. And so I don't know what it is, but something about playing on the road and, and, well, I do know what it is. It's a bunch of excuses and factors, <laughs> but uh, our guys have to rise to the occasion and, and, and learn to be more gritty and get some some better results down there um, in wherever we're going down in, in CONCACAF away games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you look at the rest of our schedule, we've got three home games, three road games, and we're going to need points most likely from some of those road games. I'm not sure if just winning all of our many home games will get us there. Um, So we're going to have to change something uh, to get some points from our remaining three road games because it has not been good enough. We've had one good half of soccer in our entire uh, road qualifying campaign so far. Um, That was the second half at Honduras, really playing on a lifeline at that point of knowing that we needed to win. That was that amazing second half where, the breakout game for Ricardo Pepe, right? And uh, yeah. brought him onto the stage. But since then, and we've played pretty much like crap on the road. Yeah. Um, so not sure what the answer is. Hoping Berhalter and his staff can look at the film, look at their tactics, look at the even logistics of what they're doing, pregame, travel, all those sort of things to figure out how do we get this better. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see if you they know, can. Part- but I think – yeah, part of, part of it, too, is, I mean, you didn't have Weston playing because of card accumulation. You also didn't have Miles Robinson in because of a red card in the game previous. Right. But, right. you know, our, you know, Chris Richards came in at center back instead of Miles Robinson, and he did well, I thought. So it's not like, oh, if we had Miles Robinson, we would have won the game. No, I don't think that's – if we'd have Weston McKinney in there, you know, maybe. Um, but uh, – yeah, something about the road performances, and obviously you and me, we we've not played in environments down there, <laughs> so we're nope. we're obviously look outsiders looking in and stuff, and it's uh probably safe to say that it's way harder than people think. Um, but hey, oh yeah, we, it is fans, and we want our boys to. We think our team is uh, the best in the in Concacaf, so go out and prove it, and that's that's what we're expecting. So we're trying to set high expectations and standards for our guys. Absolutely. So let's take a look at the CONCACAF uh, octagonal standings through eight matches. We've got six matches to play only, Cody. I know you and I are hoping to get to one of those matches. We'll see if yep. we get tickets or not to that match on January 27th over in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, hoping yep. to make the trip out to that one, see if we get tickets. But right now, CONCACAF standings. Uh, Canada at 16 points sits in first place after a couple of wins in this window. USA is in second 15 points. Mexico and Panama are in third and fourth at 14 points. Then you got Costa Rica at nine points. Jamaica is at seven. El Salvador is at six. Honduras is at three. So you look at that, Cody, and man, those top four are tight. And it is going to be a battle potentially down to the last day. Again, I hope it doesn't come to that, but it could come down to the last game. Uh, You look at our games coming up here so we've got this next window we've got two home games one road el salvador and we play them in columbus then we go to canada uh just across the border there in hamilton then we come home and we play honduras and st paul and then but then you in that final final window you've got mexico on the road you got panama at home and you got costa rica on the road so it is gonna not it is gonna be tough it's gonna be tough but i'm 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 still hopeful but it is not gonna be easy yeah especially you looking at that final window that you were just saying with two road games, one in Costa Rica and one in the Azteca. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you, sandwich you that can't, Panama. yeah, you can't, you can't drop points in this next window and then expect to like need the, or you can't need the points on that last window. Like right. you, we got to take care of business in this next window with two home games. This, this is, and you look at the standings, right? We're playing El Salvador, 
who's in second to last place, and Honduras, who's in last place. The two yeah. bottom teams at home, those have yeah. to be six points. There's there's zero yeah. zero room for error there. You have to get six points. And then Canada I on don't the think... road, I mean, what are you expecting there? Well, first with the with the two Honduras and El Salvador home games. Sure, sure. Not only should those be three points each, but those should be commanding, dominant USA performances in those two games. Yeah, and let's bump up right. that goal differential, right? Because that could be a yes. tiebreaker. Yes, I mean, run up the score if we need to, but it it should be a no mercy, absolute dominant football against these two teams at home. Um, yes, it's it's much different environments to go down there. We faced it tough El Salvador uh, at their place, like we were talking about. Uh, Honduras gave us a lot of problems in that first half. Second half, we uh, came alive and, and got some goals in. But I think at home, it needs to be USA set the tone and set the standard. Um, so not only three points each, but a dominant performance in each game. Now the Canada game, if we can go up there and, and get a point in Canada – I think I'd be happy based on how Canada's playing. I mean, they're at the top of the CONCACAF standings for a reason. I mean, this they team is legit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so for us to go up there and expect to win, I think is a little foolish and naive. Um, for us to yeah. go up there and, and get a tie or if we can escape out of there with a win would be very good. Um, but uh, it, it real quick, it is interesting – with the change of CONCACAF, kind of changing of the guard a bit, and Mexico falling mm. off a bit, and USA highly regarded as having the best players and should be at the top, and we're looking at the standings right now, and we're not at the top. It's Canada at the top. No. And it's uh, and Canada hasn't lost. So it's uh, we're looking at this table, and – it's a little bit of a head scratcher for me, I'll be honest. Um, but that was, that's probably me not examining and, and looking at Canada well enough and really understanding what they have. Obviously I knew they had Alfonso Davies and um, Jonathan Davies, but for them to still be undefeated after eight games, they're legit. And oh, yeah. they might, they're, they're quickly moving into the new rivalry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They are. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, I mean, they, they, you look at the, you know, in theory on paper, the U.S. has the, the best pay, roster on paper. But the fact that the players, based on the players who are where, where they're playing, yeah, what, where they're yeah. playing in, in, in club in Europe. The, we have more players than Mexico, more players than Canada, more players than Panama, more players than anyone in the CONCACAF playing at the highest level of club in Europe. Um, with that being said, though, you got to see what Herdman's done there for that Canadian squad, the way that he's got them playing as a team, right? They, they, you can get these great, great players. You look at what's happening over in Europe, right? You got both Portugal and Italy. Have, they, they slipped into second place in, in, their, in their regions, right, which allowed them to not qualify automatically for the World Cup. Now they're having to meet up potentially in that playoff. So the fact of the matter is, even if you have the most valuable squad on paper, you have all these really, really talented players. If you don't come together at the most important time in these World Cup qualifiers and put it together as a team and put away your, your individual ambitions and do it for the best of the team, then you might not qualify. And so, again, I think that the U.S. has done a pretty decent job so far as playing as a team. But, um, man, Canada has done an even better job. Again, four wins, four draws. Um, going into the Azteca, getting in a draw. So it's going to be tough. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, two of those draws, like you're saying, were against the other top two, right? Right. On the road. On the road. In yep. USA, right? And that was in Nashville, wasn't it? That was the game I was at, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they tied USA in Nashville, and then they tied Mexico in the Azteca. So, yeah. I mean, their, their tactics have been exactly what they needed to be. When they were on the road in the USA, they they played it yeah. perfectly. When yeah. they were at Azteca, they ran Mexico off the field and should have came away yeah. with a win, probably. Yeah. Um, so the fact of the matter is, is Canada's in first for a reason. So yeah, you're right. For us to go into Canada thinking that we're just going to get a win is naive. I think if we could get a if we could get a point there, that'd be great. I mean, if we came, if we came away with a win, I'd be ecstatic. 
Uh, yeah, because that would that would mean just a, an incredible window for the U.S. But yes, um, if we get and a tie, would, I think I'll be happy. And that would that would set the tone about who really is the top of the Concacaf, right? Who really is king right. of Concacaf? Right. Um, because if, if we beat Mexico and Canada, then hey, USA is top dog, right? right. So that, I think that sends a message, sets a tone a little bit, but um, yeah. You look at uh, Panama, though, man. Panama just keeps winning. Dark they, horse. They go in and win, win both of their games this window to get up to 14 points. They're a point behind yeah. us. Yeah. It is like, man, why won't those guys just lose? But it's, they're <laughs> a really good, really good team, right? They beat, they beat the U.S. down in Panama. They're, playing, they're another team that's playing with that cohesive unit. They may not have all the flashy all-stars that the you know Mexico, U.S., or Canada might have playing over at the top levels in Europe. But, man, they've got a, an incredible team. Um, and that is playing for playing for their country and, and really getting their country's getting behind them. They have a toughness and a grit mentally, physically, and a chip on their shoulder. Some to prove. So that, when you play a team like that, it, it can be scary to play a team like that. You know, especially, it, you know, if you're Panama and you're looking at the U.S. and so look at all these guys, the Pulisics, the McKennies, the Adams, all these guys are making millions and millions and dollars and contracts and stuff like that and playing at the highest level well the underdog loves to just go beat up on those types of teams and those types of players so yeah. that's the nature of our game nature of the game and nature of our sport and that's why we love it so because anyone can beat anyone on any day it's about who shows right. up and who wants it more so so there's six games remaining cody three home three yep. away for the u.s you know, you see where we're at in the standings right now. How many points do you think we need from each window? I'll just maybe break it up by window. How many points do you think we're going to need from each window in order to qualify? Yeah, I haven't. That's put me on the spot without really doing the analytics and the math and so, stuff. But so three, so three home games. Say, right? Do you feel like you got to win those? You got to win your three home games. Yeah. Nine, and if you can get. Two draws, I think. I mean, you're saying uh, bare minimum to qualify? Just to qualify. Yeah, just to yeah. qualify. Well, I mean, because, yeah, that's the question. Three wins get... might be enough. Three it wins might be. might be enough. Might be. Um, obviously, yeah. but that that's, like I was talking about, that's not what we're expecting or demanding, right? The, the standards no. here with this group of players should be finishing at the top of CONCACAF standings. Right. And continuing to prove it, not just uh, obviously we want to qualify, but with this group, like we've been saying, we should be demanding that we qualify with, you know, at the top and dominating. So, which we are still waiting to see in a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. But at home, at home um, we've seen it lately. At home, we've seen it. But yeah, man, with those three road games remaining at really the three, those are probably the three toughest games right? historically. Always tough to go to Estadio Azteca. Always yeah. tough to go to Costa Rica. And Canada is going to – obviously, we see it's going to be incredibly hard now too. So, these are three remaining hardest home games. And then you also – right, you have that Panama home game, which is probably going to be a massive swing game. Whoever wins that Panama game between the U.S. and Panama could be going to the World Cup. Yeah. Which yeah. I hate to say, right. but I, we've gotten to the point where it's so close in the standings that it very well could be at that point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. All I'm saying is I did not want to have to be going to Costa Rica on that last match day needing points. That, no, I, I don't I, either. That was, no, no. Um, I don't think we will be needing that. This window will be, you know, comfortable with approaching that final window saying, look, if we can get a couple ties out of these two road games that we're in and in that final window, if we can tie – in Mexico or if we can die in Costa Rica, um, then we should be in good shape, at least to qualify, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to qualify. We're, I like we're not only going to qualify, but uh, uh, we're going to finish top two in the, in the standings. Top two. Uh, I, would, I, I wish I, I, I wish I could, I could, you know, I, I'd like to think we'll finish at the top. That's my confidence, but I also have been, you know, <laughs> disappointed in, in our group and, and Burr Halter 
throughout this qualifying window. So, yeah, but. yeah. Well, I like it. So, let's take a look then, Cody. If we had a qualifying game tomorrow, who's yeah. your starting eleven? Who are you putting out there in a say? We're in a game where we have to get points to get to the World Cup. Who are you? Uh, who are you putting out there on the field? Is it home or away? It's going to be a home game. Okay. Um, Turner's in goal. Okay. Anthony Robinson left back. I'll go John Brooks left center back. Even though that's uh, John Brooks, that's a name we haven't called in a while. <laughs> I know. I uh, but I think if it's a home game, then his passing range and abilities, he just, he can't play on the road. So, but he could do it at home. So we'll do him. Okay. Uh, Miles center back, Serginio Des right back. Our MMA midfield, Musa McKenney Adams. Um, then I go. Then this is where it gets tricky. <laughs> Pulisic, Pulisic on the left wing. And I go um, Pepe up top, and I go. If he's healthy, Gio Reyna, right winger. Okay. Tim Way and, Tim Way and Aronson come off the bench for uh, giving us electricity off the bench. So yeah. Uh, those, are, those are two very nice subs to come off the bench. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, Way uh, almost feels like he's undroppable at this point, though, don't you think? Yeah. But I'm saying if Gio is completely healthy and fitness and everything is ready to go, I still think he's ahead of Way. So yeah. I know you're yeah. trying to say Paul Ariola, but you're wrong. <laughs> Paul Ariola <laughs> started. No, he, he does not even make my 23 man game day roster. Um, what? No, no I, you know, sometimes I, you know, Paul Ariola has done, done his job so far, really, in this campaign yeah. to some extent. But so yeah, what's I think your for, must win lineup? Go for it. Yeah, I, I think for me, in a must win game, I think, I, yeah, I put Matt Turner in goal. Shot stop ability has to take importance. You got Serginho Dest at right back. And then you got, uh, you know, John Brooks, uh, for as good as he is with his passing, and with a home game, in theory, we're going to be possessing the ball. There's always going to be a shaky moment or two from him defensively, and I just don't know if I can trust him. So I think I'm leaning more towards it, at least at this point, Walker Zimmerman alongside Miles Robinson. They're, they're very cohesive in the back together. Zimmerman is incredibly – dominant in the air. Uh, Robinson also very good in the air. I think the two of them together uh, and can do well enough passing wise to do what we need to do from the, sure. out of the back. And then you got Robinson, Anthony Robinson on the left. Uh, yeah. And then I want Musa, McKinney and Adams in the middle. Um, and then I, I have got the same front three as you. So really, uh, yeah, Pulisic, uh, Pepe and Gio Reyna. It, it hurts me to drop way Timothy Weah at this point, but I think if Giovanni Reyna is back and healthy and in form, I mean, he's debatably our best player, so I feel like he has to be out there on the field and, and is a difference maker immediately. So, um, so that's, what that's if you story. did what if you did Pulisic at the false nine like he's kind of recently been playing at Chelsea and yeah. you put Gio and you put either Aronson or Weah as the other winger? See, now I could see that. Um, you know, he, Pulisic had one good game for Chelsea at the, at the false nine. Then he had one game where he didn't look so good at the false nine. So it's kind yeah. of a small sample size. I, I'm not sure if we'll continue to see him up there with Lukaku. I think that's a way. Back. Yeah, I think that's a way to get your best front three, like talent-wise, on, on the field. The only yeah. problem is none of those front three, if you do Pulisic, Reyna, and Wea are a true nine. Whereas right. Pepe is is that you know the other yes. the other three are are more sevens and elevens. Yeah, uh, Pepe tens, can arrive. Pepe knows how to arrive in the box, right? He he. Can well, Pulisic's on that as well. It's True. Just the back to goal target nine factor than those other three, in my opinion. Yes. Now Wea has the pace to get him behind, but I don't think right. his back to goal play is as good. Um, but yeah, in terms of like talent factor, I think Reyna. Pulisic and, and Wea could be a very scary front three. And you just picture them kind of all like just moving in different spots. Like they're not like so rigid. Like they could just fluid, fluid, 
fluidly move <laughs> across all three of those kind of fronts. See, no, I like that. I, I do like that yeah. idea. Yeah. So In you're theory, gonna have Tim great. Tim Way. Yeah, you're gonna have like Tim Way starting on the right wing and just like make a diagonal run centrally, and then you know if if Pulisic is a false nine and he's checking deep and then moving out wide and just showing up in spots that and same with Reina. I think it would be terrifying for an opposing defense to, to have to deal with all this movement of these highly talented players and dangerous attacking players. Yeah, but, give give, um, give all three guys kind of the freedom to really go wherever they want, knowing that obviously yeah. you don't want to overcrowd the other person, but finding yeah. those diagonal runs in behind with the speed, the pace, the skill. I mean, I think that in, I think that probably is your best three attacking players at the moment. It's funny I say that because you look at the stats from this World Cup qualifying campaign and Pepe actually, again, yeah. leads the way. Three goals, yeah. three assists. Well, Aronson so, too. Aronson too. Yeah, I mean, we haven't mentioned Brendan Aronson, a name that's like I think we take him for granted just how yep. good he has been exactly. for the U.S. But I think coming in a, in a must-win game, if you put those guys on at the 60th minute, you get fresh legs Aronson or fresh legs Wea coming in if you're a tired defender. You're just going, oh, geez, here we go. This is this is tough, right? So, but these are these are what we call champagne problems, right? These are fun problems to talk about. I, I, uh, yes, they they are, they are, and I, I hope, I hope for all of our sakes that we're coming out of this next window in a really good spot where we're saying, hey, man, we are one win away from qualification. Let's do this. Yep. I do not want to be talking to you next time saying, my goodness, we need three wins to qualify. Because that is a conversation. <laughs> I, know, I don't think we're going to be in that spot. Yeah. Bad things could happen. And we might be, but uh, I, I sure hope not. But yeah. I am very, very optimistic that this could be a very solid window. Now, I was going to mention to you one of the things we didn't talk about. So we're in Columbus, Ohio for that El Salvador game. Now, right. they decided to put that third game of the window versus Honduras, a team in theory that we are better than. In St. Mm-hmm. Paul, Minnesota. Now, I know you've got some family from Minnesota. Minnesota. It's a pretty, chilly, pretty chilly place that time of the year. February 2nd. Temperatures could be ranging anywhere from 30 degrees down to zero degrees. Could be negative. So, could be negative. Does that become a factor? And was that the right decision by the U.S. soccer to put that game there? Look, I think uh... – if you're in the 20s to 30 degrees, then that still can be a home field advantage versus a Honduras. Right. Anything lower than, you know, 20 degrees, anything lower, maybe, you know, 25, lower than that. That's just pain for both teams. <laughs> just pure pain. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and you talk about the fans, like, just sitting there, the fans just freezing their butts off. Like, that's that's pain as well. So, I think there, it is a factor when it's in the 30s and 40s, maybe, when you're playing a CONCACAF team. But when you start getting lower than that, it's uh, – I don't – I think it levels the playing field more than it creates an advantage. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that the in theory, the concept – I understand that you want to – logistically, you know you're going to be playing in Canada, so you want to keep the games close. Have one in the north, you start out in Columbus, you're right next to the Canadian border. You fly up playing Canada, then you fly right back over to Minnesota. So I understand that aspect of it. But that might be nice in, say, September. Uh, now we're talking February, the cold of winter that we're doing yeah. this. And yeah. I, I think, yeah, you're right. If it's around, you know, 30 degrees, which would be about the highest it might be at that time of the year, most likely. Yeah. We're probably, that still probably is the U.S.'s advantage because Honduras is not used to that kind of cold. But if we're talking that's going to be – in the negatives or 10 degrees. Yeah. I think that that really just negates our, our skill level that we have a, a superior superiority in. So right. I'm hopeful that we'll just, it won't be an issue and we are able to get a couple of wins at home and it's a non-factor, but um, it could, I don't want to be having to talk about this saying, man, the cold, we didn't play well. It was cold yeah. and having to make those sort of excuses. Right. So. Yep. Absolutely. I agree. So well, anything see, else so, you needed to touch on? Yeah, I mean, so ranked number 12 now, 16 wins on the year, tied for most in team history in a single calendar year. You 21 good year, scores this year. It's been it a has. very good year. 11 clean sheets, a couple of trophies, uh, 
you know, as we mentioned, three wins against Mexico, the Dos Acero to cap it off. Uh, Burhalter, uh, fastest U.S. men's national team coach to 30 wins. Best coach ever. Best coach <laughs> ever. Man, yeah, exactly. Exactly. 30, 30 wins, six losses, seven draws is his overall record. He's hired three years ago to the day, actually. Um, I remember that day being pretty optimistic, thinking, okay, Berhalter, I, I really hope you can turn this thing around. And I think to a large extent, he has. Um, yep. Now he's just got to he's got to finish the job and get us to the World Cup. And I will say, yep. Berhalter, job well done. Yep. Well, his ability—I think his best thing that he's done is recruiting and solidifying, you know, the Eunice Musas and the Sergio Des dual internationals and getting them to commit to the USA has been his best. Um, part of his coaching career, <laughs> uh, at least with yeah. the U.S. national team. So, yeah, but uh, yeah. I think no, the, I mean, player, the player, the uh, player, the players have won the games for him. I don't think it's been like a coaching genius um, or anything by any stretch. What um, I think it's just, I think it's just a talent that just gets the job done somehow um, with with the talented players that he's got. So they've bailed him out multiple times, but uh, maybe I'm not giving him enough credit, but he's, he's done enough negative things that I've some head scratches, but Hey, still have optimism. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. Well, let's, let's hope that uh, he does enough to get us the world cup, that our talent superiority does play out in our favor. And we have a great January window, January, February window there. Hopefully you and I can get to the game. Give us some live on-field coverage. And, yeah. uh, and then hopefully we'll uh, finish out the year with a bang in March and uh, qualify for the World Cup. A lot to play for. Um, for Cody Carlson, I'm Danny Day. Go USA.